0: Welcome back to another edition of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics Creeps. I've got Ed Moore back here with me, and we're continuing with our coverage of supernatural thrillers and the adventures of The Living Mummy and Kantu. We have a real good time talking about these two issues, so stay tuned after a quick break. We'll be right back to jump into it.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics, and I am here to talk some supernatural thrillers, and that means my buddy Ed Moore is joining me once again. How are you, Ed?
2: I'm doing pretty good this evening, Billy. How are you, sir?
1: I am doing well. Uh, we have two more issues here of The Living Mummy, and uh, these were these were interesting issues. I know we left on a, a note of Kantu uh, uh, defeating the Living Pharaoh. That kind of came out of nowhere, but... Uh, he defeated him, but then somebody ran off with the, uh, what is it, what do they call it? The Scarlet Scarab?
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> and uh, I, I think I, I thought for some reason that was one person, and it turns out it's a totally different new person. So we'll, we'll have to get into that here. I think I just uh, messed up a little bit. I think I wasn't reading ahead, so I wasn't uh, sure who it was. I just t- uh, made a huge
2: assumption on who it was, and I was wrong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been reading, reading ahead either, but I I kind of agree with you. Yeah. It was like, oh, he had it. Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) It was
2: like, wait, what? I thought it was, but no.
1: So, (laughs) so yeah, so we'll get into that here, but yeah, we're going to be covering uh, supernatural thrillers, 10 and 11, and we're going to obviously start out with number 10 here. And this was a cover dated December, 1974. Uh, and it's got a cover by Gil Kane and Al Milgram. So,, uh, what are your thoughts on this cover here? Pretty action packed, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, and definitely very directly tied into um, about what half of the book, essentially, half of the story inside, oh, then the Kantu story anyways. There's another little backup story in it, too. but yeah, it's it's nice to see, and I, I think I've made mention of this before, how you can pick up a comic book and get like an encapsulated idea of what the actual story in the book is by looking at the cover. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's nice to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is an interesting cover. We have uh, our, you know, the living mummy logo here at the top, which always looks super cool. It's like a purplish kind of background and yellow letters with like a red fiery outline on the word mummy. And uh, it says a choice of dooms on the left. And we see it's almost like a, uh, Oh, what's that D.C. war comic where it was? Oh, the haunted tank.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say it it reminds me of any number of the what do they call them? The the big five uh, D.C. war books uh, at the time. You know, this this could have theoretically been a cover as far as I know. I'm not overly versed on on each of the individual books, but I could see this being a cover for any of those five D.C. war books of the what was that like the early to mid 70s?
1: hmm. Yeah. Uh, and honestly, with the mummy being front and center here, if he just threw some clothes on and we just saw his wrapped head and face, it would almost be like that guy. Uh, what's his name? That was uh, in the soldier. Yeah, the unknown. Soldier.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Absolutely. It could. Yeah, uh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe leave his, his arms a little bare or something to make it look like his arms are wrapped. But, yeah, it could. He It could definitely be him standing there, although I don't know if he would necessarily be taking 50 cows, would he? Because I, I I think the uh, the unknown soldier was like a normal dude. He was just wrapped up. So this mm-hmm. might have been the very last unknown soldier title if that was him. Because the the mummy is taking some definite hits from the fifty cal mounted on top of the tank.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't look like it's you know hurting him a whole lot. And there's a a lady sh- uh, soldier here on the ground, and she's got a a machine gun, but that's on the ground. I don't know if she ran out of bullets, and then she's a. Uh, Doing something uh, I don't think real military people ever do, which is pulling a pin out of a grenade with
2: her teeth. Yeah, that that's not the. <laughs> at first, when you just look at it, it looks like maybe she's vomiting or something. You know, it's like mm, that's that's a little difficult to draw. So we, we should have just drawn her like maybe chucking the the grenade over in Contu or something like that.
1: Yeah, great, great cover. I really like it quite a bit. But yeah, it definitely reminded me of you know, like I said, haunted tank or you know any of those DC War titles that would have had Qbert or Russ Heath or whomever on the cover drawing these tanks. And there's a tank trying to blast a living mummy here, and he looks like he's kind of protecting this soldier. And like you said, this actually will come true in the issue. So you know, I I love it. No bait and switch.
2: (laughs) No, really, really solid tank too. I mean, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I I know I've learned you know over the years that certain artists have have proclivities for and against um certain types of still life drawing you know some can draw Mm -hmm. horses and some can't and whatever um if if this is if all of this is gil kane uh he did a pretty pretty good tank here i I like this tank
1: yeah it looks really really good and then in the bottom left hand corner there's a a little uh, blurb that says also with this incredible issue the awesome asp of course I'm thinking, what does that mean? So we're going (laughs) to, we're going to get into the Asp here. And (laughs) he's an interesting character, but yeah. So, all right. That's a pretty good uh, lead in here with this uh, cover. And then uh, just on uh, comics.org here, it just says, and Kantu thinks about his past life and helps an Israeli soldier fight against Egyptian soldiers. So that's pretty much the basis here, but let's uh, start off here right off the bat with this uh, splash page. Now I will say when I first look at this splash page, uh, I was thinking, Oh man, why would they make uh, the mummy look so like kind of? He looks a little malnourished, but you know he was you know in a tomb for like three thousand years, so you got to cut him a break. And then now that I'm thinking about it, you know he kind of does remind me of the mummy uh, when Christopher Lee uh, played the character because he's a very tall, thin man. It kind of reminds me of that.
2: Yeah, yeah, I I couldn't place because I'm not you know a real big movie aficionado, but I couldn't place it. But it certainly looked like. a a scene or maybe a uh, a movie bill or something like that that i had seen of a mummy for sure
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so it
1: just says a choice of lions
2: at the top here and then it gives the uh the credits here we have (laughs) len
1: ween as the pinch scripter tony isabella co-plotter val merrick artist and co-plotter dan adkins inker glennis ween colorist Artie Simic Letter and Roy the Boy Thomas as the editor here. So, yeah, this is a pretty neat scene here. I mean, it's not super detailed, but there's like a red sky in the background and the mummy's kind of lumbering uh, through the desert here. And it looks like you can see one of the pyramids where he was just at, where he defeated, you know, our buddy, uh, the living pharaoh uh, on the left. And there's a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of text, but there's a good bit of text describing what's going on here, which it you know, doesn't sound like it's totally necessary, but uh, I think Len Wein did a really good job describing the scene, so uh, I love a little bit of purple prose to start off here.
2: Yeah, I, I can kind of understand. I mean, us, we didn't necessarily need it because we have been reading along, but I, I suppose if somebody just picked this up fresh and hadn't read any of the previous issues— the text was was needed but it was also just enough i think to really catch you up and, and put you where the mummy is in his story at uh, in in this particular issue
1: yeah and then you flip the page and he goes into a bunch of uh you know recap inside his own mind and we see it out on the page here too how he you know met these elementals and you know they were trying to control him to get this scarlet scarab artifact because that is the only thing that can defeat them so they thought well it's uh utilize Mr. Mummy here in Kantu and have him get it for us. And we see him venturing into a pyramid and fighting the forces of the living Pharaoh here. And he pretty much slapped all of those guys down real easy. And I'll be honest, the living Pharaoh didn't really, uh, you know, put up a, he, he put up a fight, but it didn't take, you know, half an issue even for in Contu to just, you know, uh, shoot, like uh, show that he's uh, the superior uh, fighter.
2: Right. Yeah. Yeah. True. It, you, I don't know. Uh, the, the living Pharaoh. It was kind of a uh, more an obstacle than like an actual roadblock or anything like that. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, it wasn't like a video game where there's like the final boss. He was uh, just like, no,
2: no. He was <laughs> he was not the the stage boss at all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he was kind of just like one of the minions along the way too. Yeah, yeah, a, for a sure. A tiny
2: bit, tiny bit stronger than a minion, but
1: you know he's you know walking through the desert here, and all of a sudden he you know thinks to himself. Uh, you know, he says about, you know, oh, I've lost my chance to find the scarab and that goes my sole chance of becoming human. And when he says that word human, he starts to, in his, you know, mind, uh, hearken back to uh, a day when he was younger and his father was still alive when he was still with, the uh, you know, his tribe, uh, in Africa,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was pretty cool to, to see a little bit of the, a little bit more of the life of this, this individual before he was you know all caught up in the e- egyptian pharaoh mess that led to where he is now so it's kind of a like a a pre pre in uh uh vignette kind of thing so that that was cool to see i, I enjoyed that
1: yeah and i think the artwork by valmeric and dan adkins here is fantastic yeah. yeah that that splash page where it's like about a two-thirds page where you in father and he's on this throne made out of like tusks and everything. And there's a shield there. And he's standing there all jacked up with a, a bunch of the other tribesmen in the background. I really,
2: really like that. And I, I have to give it to the colorist for this issue, too. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've come to to learn that there were there were some limits really to what they could do, I guess, limits compared to what they can do today um, with colors and the process and everything like that. I loved '70s and '80s coloring. Uh, I I don't see them as necessarily being problematic. I just accept it and enjoy it and move on. You know, normally, but this one you don't you don't have to accept the coloring on this page. I thought it was really good. The shield is is nice, brightly colored, but not like so extravagantly bright that you that that it takes you out of this old African village. You know, so I I, I like that it was a uh, particularly the shield, but like you said, the tusks, and and they're bound together so that uh, the king can sit in amongst the tusks there. Just it, this was just a really captivating uh, three-quarter panel page here. And or I will say page panel. Sorry. Yeah, and I will say here
1: too. Ah, uh, one of the caption boxes says it has been 21 summers since Encantu, son of Tachambi, chief of the Swarili, first sang the song of life. So he's 21 years old at this point. But I didn't ever think about this before, and maybe it's because when I think of the living mummy in my head, I forget that he was, you know, part of this tribe. I always think, well, he was just a mummy, so I guess he was Egyptian. But of course, you know, obviously we knew up until now he wasn't, and this is showing definitely, he obviously wasn't. This is showing his his history here. But I'm wondering if and the Swarili were anywhere near Wakanda, simply because of his father's name, because you have, uh, you know, the Black Panther is T'Challa and his father is T'Chaka, and this chieftain's name, uh, his name is T'Chambi. So I thought, oh, it's kind of similar. So I wonder if they were trying to sort of vaguely connect some dots there, or that was just, oh, uh, you know, uh, that's what uh, T'Challa's name is, so we'll make
2: it sound something like that. I'm not sure there. Yeah, r- really, it's hard to say. I mean, I could see both sides of the coin. You know, the, uh, mm-hmm. Isabella is familiar with the Black Panther, and so the T-apostrophe just is in his mind as far as uh, ethnic, and I'm throwing up the quotes here, ethnic African names. Mm -hmm. Or I could see that he was trying to draw some, uh, maybe some dotted lines, let's say, between the Swarili and the Wakandans, uh, perhaps. um, We we could ask him, but I don't know that now he would even remember what he was trying to do, uh, (laughs) what, 50 years ago, something like that? Just about, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For, so, for 49 years ago. yeah, <laughs> Which is, I mean, you know, that's that's one of the things that we always want to do with a lot of these creators that are still around now. You know, we want to ask them about the stories, mm-hmm. not necessarily keeping in mind that this was one story that they wrote, you know, 48 years ago. So the chances of them remembering some minutia that you're interested in. Is going to be pretty remote, but you know, we a lot of interviews that I hear, they they take the chance and they throw the stuff out there. But more and more, I hear creators say, "Dog, that was <laughs> that was forty eight <laughs> years ago. I have no idea what I was thinking. I, I probably wasn't even thinking right. I was on this and I was smoking that. And I would, you know." So. <laughs> 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 yeah, that just caught my
1: eye. I thought, oh, you know, maybe. So that was it. Was just something cool to think about for a minute. But I love that. Man, you turn to page six, that very first panel, top corner, page six, where, you know, when I think of a, like a grizzled, like tough warrior, mm-hmm. that that it's a it's a panel all of just uh, in Contou's father, like on a close up. And he looks like he's a guy that's a guy that's seen some stuff, as they say.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's got the ceremonial uh, head head dress on. But, yeah, mm-hmm. the face, it's like, yeah, that's not a, a young spry kind of face. He's he's gone through some stuff.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't want to tick him off. He looks like oh, one of those no. yeah those those middle aged guys that you're like you wouldn't want to mess with him because he might not be twenty years old, but he's he he knows some stuff. So be on your toes.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely the kind of dude that looks one way when he's sitting, but when he stands up, he looks an entirely different way.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he tells uh, Incanu here it's you know it's it's time for him to come out, and uh, I think he basically kind of says like you know one day he's going to take over the tribe, so he basically has to prove himself. By fighting one-on-one with a lion. And all he has is a knife. And I would not, I'd be like, yeah, no, it's okay. I don't want to leave the tribe. It's, it's all good. I don't want to, I don't well, want any parts I, of that.
2: <laughs> come on, man. How many people did not survive that test? And, and so they lost a warrior of the tribe. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know,
2: going out one-on-one with a knife, not only to, to hunt and presumably kill the lion, but he has to bring the head back
1: yeah yeah and i mean hey maybe if i was like six nine and you know 300 pounds and jacked i'd feel different about it but i don't know yeah i don't know (laughs) i don't know if i would or not but we he does come upon a, a a male lion and two female lions here and he basically uh calls out to the lion and says come black mane let us see who is to die And there's a really great uh, close-up on page seven there, too, of the lion's face that looks really, really good, really nasty.
2: I I, I don't know, but I would say calling out a lion that is protecting his wife and child is probably the nastiest lion that he could have run into to call out, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And he gets into it with them here. They're having like a a fight here, a wrestling match, and— back and forth, but uh, in the end, he does take down this lion, which is uh, really wild, and he stands over and he says, or at least thinks, the ritual is over. The king of the jungle is slain. And, you know, then we uh, see he's kind of like standing there in a moment, thinking to himself, and uh, the caption says, in seven months Tachombi will die in his sleep and Inkantu will be chief. And then I like how it switches then right back to, you know, modern times, and there he is with the wrappings on, and he's the living mummy, and it says... The memory fades too painful to remember for Enkantu Warrior Chieftain is a man no longer. It's he it looks like you know a very, very sad moment here.
2: I, I like the I thought the the artistic storytelling was really well done with these two juxtaposed panels because you have Encantu when he was a young man, and you have Encantu now and, and the Headshots are roughly the same size, you know, so you can really mm-hmm. do a direct comparison with well what it used to be and, you know, what poor dude is <laughs> is into currently.
1: Yeah, and I do like how they did, you know, artistically. Uh, the left eye, when he was, you know, back killing this lion, is in shadow and you see his right eye. And it's kind of the same thing with the mummy. The mm-hmm. left eye is kind of in shadow or the,
2: the the eye on the left is in shadow and the right one's open. Like I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, now we, we haven't seen that anything has happened, that he's lost an eye or anything, have we?
1: Mm-mm, no, not well, at all. Okay,
2: so it's just an uh, uh, artistic uh, uh, yeah, choice, I guess, just to shadow one. And then, like you said, they did the same thing with the other. Yeah, I didn't know if they were trying to tell us, you know, in, in a fight he's lost one of his eyes or, or why they chose to do that. Yeah,
1: I'm not sure, but it, it was definitely
2: something that, yeah, I shouldn't say this, but
1: I don't know how else to say it. Caught my eye <laughs>
3: ah, <laughs> when I was uh, ah,
1: looking at the armor. Oh there. my goodness. Wait, <laughs>
2: dad joke.
1: Okay. Let me
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then he just, okay, I'm just gonna wander off now because I gotta find the Ruby Scarab. And he just
3: <laughs> yeah. he
2: just goes wandering off. <laughs> right. Yeah, we, we had our moment. Zoom into the face, you know, emotion. Okay, now back off and let him just wander away. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then what a switcheroo here! What a juxtaposition! Then we go to Castle Grayskull here. What about
1: exactly? This? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. This is crazy! Yeah. What about this? So we we switch to the Castle Grayskull. It looks like here, and it's a, you know, on this other world dimension, whatever you want to call it. And we're back to our buddies, the Elementals.
2: And I will say this, uh, Val Merrick, he likes to draw him some shapely ladies. I'll tell you that. Yes, he does. And not only does he like to draw them shapely, but he does a good job at it. He does.
1: Yeah, this this is a really good page here with uh, the four of the elementals kind of having some back and forth. And the lady, Zephyr, she kind of says, like, don't worry, I'll take care of this. I'm going to go and regain control of the mummy. And there's a panel at the bottom I really like. It looks like something right out of Doctor Strange where she is. Yeah. Somehow transporting herself from this world
2: to Earth. And it looks really wild. It's a very, um, not quite psychedelic, but very energetic panel showing that, Mm -hmm. yeah, she's doing something as far as manipulating some kind of energy.
1: Yeah, because sometimes I feel like her powers were a little bit, you know, ambiguous. She could use
2: wind power and then she was using
1: some kind of mental whammy. And now at first I thought maybe she was... You know, a la Doctor Strange, like using her, uh, oh, what do you call it? Form to leave her body, astral mm-hmm. form to like, astral, leave her mm-hmm. body. But no, this is like literally it's her, and we see her flying through space. And then, uh, there she is heading towards the continent of
2: Africa. I know what I was going to say. Uh, that panel, of uh, where, where she was very, uh, buxom, uh, with uh-huh. Magnum and Hellfire and Hydron, it's, it's really, um, interesting to me that other, other than Zephyr Zephyr is, is her entire um, half of her body that is, is drawn there is, is fully realized. The other Mm -hmm. three men though are particularly in the face are kind of sketchy, but it doesn't, it doesn't take away from anything. I think in that their face isn't like um, intimately, drawn or anything like that it adds to the menace that those three men are because you look more at the posture and things like that and not necessarily the the minutia of the faces and so they they seem more powerful i think in that way than if you know every little wrinkle and and everything had been drawn on all three faces now the the one um i guess that's hellfire in the middle his mm-hmm. face is is pretty Fully realized. There's not much mm-hmm. room left for interpretation there, but Magnum and Hydron, which are uh, background for those that don't have the book, background on the right and left, almost like over Hydron's shoulder, off mm-hmm. to the side a little bit, uh, their faces aren't as fully realized, but they do not lack menace in the way that they're standing, um, all three, because they're confronting Zephyr. So, of course, they have to you know, maintain that air of whatever they have over Zephyr at this point. Um and mm-hmm. and I, I it struck me that it was like you know I really can't make out their faces but I don't need to.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, like you said earlier, the, the Val Merrick and uh, Dan Adkins here, their their visual storytelling in this issue is fantastic because like yeah. you, you can't even really see what kind of facial expressions they have really, but just the way they're standing there, they look like they're ready to uh, ready to just just pound the crap out of somebody if they
2: <laughs> the wrong yeah,
1: person walked really.
2: in. And um this. I've noticed this more and more as we have been reading these books. This um, visual storytelling is really unlike anything else going on at Marvel at the time by way of their superhero books. Mm -hmm. But it much more reminds me of what you get if you move over to Warren and pick up their black and white books. um, Creepy, Eerie, and Vampirella. And and just read those horror stories. Um, Even, I think, that val merrick did some of those didn't he was, was I, he I, one of those artists i think he he did yeah i think he worked the, okay.
1: over there as well and then i think he may have done some horror stuff for Skywald as well like not long after this time okay
2: yeah there, there is definitely this um this sensibility to his i would love to see these books uh, uncolored just to see what his and mm. Atkin's ink lines what the line actual lines are like although I would say uh, at least my copy of these, they're not suffering from any of that color bleed and, and some of these other issues that the no. the color and the paper suffered from back then. So the the colors are very much where they're supposed to be. So I'm still getting a, a very good um, essence of, of the line work, but I, I would definitely love to see these somewhere without the colors just to see what they look like.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you there. That would be great to see just the line work.
2: Yeah. Okay, so sorry. Took took a step (laughs) back there for a minute.
1: No, no, it's all good. So yeah, she's flying through space. Then we switch to uh, across the arid wastes. And we see in the background, our buddy Encantu, he's walking through the desert and there's a bit of an oasis here. And (laughs) there's a guy laying on the ground next to a rock. And he says, for a minute there, I thought he spotted me, but I should have known better. And it's this, Asp guy, and there's the scarlet scarab right next to him. And it just is a weird looking battle <laughs> how he's down on like all fours.
2: <laughs> it, with, without the scarab, it's like, yeah, yeah he, if if he's ducking uh, from the mummy, okay, but what he did is he set the scarab over here to the side and then ducked down below, behind the rock. And I'm like, dog, why did you, why did you put your gem over there to the side? Why, why, why aren't you holding it? You know, most importantly throw it in your pocket or something dude something. like yeah,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> it's kind of weird so he's there and he picks it up then and he says nothing could possibly go wrong for me now not a guy as lucky as the asp so this is when i started to kind of figure it out and think to myself oh so at the end of last issue uh you know as our buddy and Kantu here was uh, slapping around the living pharaoh they both thought where's the scarab at the, the scarlet scarab And we saw there was someone in the tomb, crypt, whatever, you know, you want to call it, pyramid there, that had picked it up and was running off with it. And we never saw the person's face or whatever as they were running away. But then the scene immediately switched to Dr. Scarab, Ron, and Janice aboard a plane. And I I just assumed that meant they grabbed it and then jumped on a plane.
2: Okay, I, I didn't think that, but I didn't know... It it was so disjointed that I wasn't quite sure what was going on because they spoke about going to, I thought, try to find the mummy. And so Mm -hmm. if that's what they're looking for, well, they would have just seen him when they stole the the scarab because he was right there, too. So I didn't figure they took the scarab. Yeah. So this guy is the
1: guy that grabbed it. How he knew what was going on. I don't know if we ever get a really straight answer on that, like how he really figured all this out, but um, yeah, so <laughs> I was really off there, though. I don't know why I was thinking it was that, because yeah, they were, I think, still in New York and mm-hmm. heading on that plane over to Egypt, because I think, if I remember correctly, it's uh, Dr. Scarab was like, yes, I know the mummy is back in Egypt, so we have to go there.
2: But I don't know right. why, he, So
1: why, my brain,
2: I was thinking they got the Scarab. He Sc- Scarab got one of those, like, I am connected to the mummy mind flashes and, and mm-hmm. supposedly knew that he was in Egypt and uh, yeah. They were still looking for him, I guess. I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure why they still have to find him, really. But, yeah. So that was, I, I do remember that. But yeah, uh, um, you're, you're right. It, it was very uh, disjointed. It seemed like almost like there, there's a page or two that they didn't print here. You know, some mm-hmm. some kind of connecting something. But yeah, n- now we see that. Oh, okay. So it was just dude who took it. Then they jump to Scarab and, and the rest of the crew. And yeah, so.
1: Yeah, like I said, disjointed is a good word for it because now all of a sudden, too, and I don't know if
2: this is a fault of, you
1: know, Len Wein who scripted or Tony Isabella and Dan, uh, Val Merrick that plotted or the letterer, but here's why I was getting really confused. So this guy that looks like he's on safari just pops out of the bushes <laughs> and and the asp, you know, pulls his pistol out. like He's going to shoot the guy and the guy says, and he says, cripes, old? Dan, as in two different words here, like he's describing this guy as old and his first name is Dan, old Mm -hmm. Dan sneak up on me like that is one way to get yourself dead. And the guy's like, what's the matter? Asp nervous. I thought you had this caper planned down to the last detail. And then on the next uh, panel, he says, but I do. And old Dan is all one word.
2: Right. Like it's like his last name, Olden.
1: Yeah, so and I think like when you look at like all the sites for information about these issues, that's what they say that, that it's I don't know if they even say a first name, but they that's what they called this guy is O L D D A N Olden. But then now I don't want to jump ahead too far, but it's either later this issue or the next issue, uh, it's spelled D E N O L D D E N. So right, I'm just like yeah, I give so, up.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, don't don't try to figure it out. Just just roll with it. It's it's changing too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's Safari guy. That's who he is. Uh, and then yep. again, I, I don't want to pick on the artwork again. We said it's gorgeous, but that panel where they, I was just talking about him saying old Dan or Olden, it looks like somebody it, different has the scarab and they're holding it up in front of the two
2: of them. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like a third because <laughs> it's like, well, how is he holding? Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, the, the arm placement is just a little weird for one of them to for it to be one of their arms. It's just a little off there again.
2: Sorry, sorry, didn't
1: pick. You know, Val Merrick, you're, you're awesome. I love you, man. Well,
2: That's great. <laughs> it, it, it's not it's not your fault. That hand it's, holding the scarab is in the center of the frame. <laughs> I mean, it's like you you can't not see it. And then yes. you look to either side, and you're like, okay, who who's holding that up? Is it? You're you're almost sitting there, you know, with your hand. You're like, let's see if he's holding it. Yeah. So it's yeah. it, it's not your fault. They <laughs> stuck it right there in the middle so that you would see it.
1: And it almost looks like it has to be a left hand as well. Cause the thumb is on the right <laughs> there. The thumb. And I'm thinking, man, if that is the Asp's, uh, uh left <laughs> arm, how is he contorting it? Like, I don't know. I give up. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. Now, now, Okay. You go to this next panel, which is like a half page. And this looks like incredible artwork. So you go from the yes. goofy arm there. And this is like, we have the Asp here and he is telling his buddy, uh, safari guy, um, he says, have a little confidence. We know that archaeologist Dr. Scarab and his assistants are flying to Cairo at this very moment. And they'll be willing to pay a bundle to gain possession of this gem. Then once they've paid us, we'll steal it back from them and sell it to another sucker. And you know, sell it to as many other suckers as we can drum up. The deal simple and lucrative. What's the problem? But that panel visually is incredible. You have the asp, right? Like up front or like almost like in a ghost-like. And then them on the right...
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it's a lot of um, additional, like, time elements in that one panel, because you have
3: mm-hmm.
2: Asp talking, and then you see the the mummy crew, but then you also see an airplane, so you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, they were on the airplane traveling somewhere, uh, theoretically, at the same time that Asp is talking to us, and, and it's just, yeah, it's a very... Um, to to use a phrase from a, uh, another IP, uh, it's very timey-wimey almost to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and
2: the, like you said, the colorist too. The
1: colors here are very interesting, but I think very effective choices where you have the asp. He's like blue, and the background behind him is blue. And then you, know, you have Ron and Janice and Dr. Scarab, and there's a little bit of the bleed over in the blue there. But then you can clearly see Ron's yellow shirt. And then the plane is like a pink background. Like, it, this is really, to me, a really, really impressive panel.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I wonder, um, having, you know, if you just received this as the colorist, um, and all of this was just black and white line art, they had to have discussed what Merrick was trying to do here in order to know how to to color it the way that it turned out. Because otherwise, it, it would have been, like, very jumbled, I would think. If it was just the line art, the yeah. color really goes a long way to separate, but not like, um, not like to to isolate, separate really, but more to like highlight in a certain way, certain aspects of the drawing, so that you see them as as different parts of the one whole collective drawing. Yeah,
1: like you said, different. It does a great job of showing these three different elements of time. Because obviously Scarab, Ron, and Janice aren't on the plane because they're not sitting in plane seats. So this is like earlier
2: than that, and then the plane is a different time. So yeah, this is
1: this is really really good.
2: Yeah, it was I, definitely. I think there had to be some uh, talking between all of the artists as to you know, what are we trying to do with this panel? And and here is the best way to do it, I think. And I I could see them kind of hashing it out, you know, well, how about if we do this and put that here and color it this way, you know? So Mm
3: -hmm. it
2: turned out really, really well. This may be the first time um, in these issues that I look at this and I'm like, "Um, yeah, the black and white line work might've been cool, but I really think it did better after it was colored.
1: Yeah. And I love, there's a lot of cross hatching on that page too. I love it. (laughs) Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: And yeah, the Safari guy says he's got a bit of a a bad feeling here. Like his intuition's kicking in, like something's not going to, you know, go well here for them. And the Asp says, I think you're just letting that character in the mummy outfit spook you, pal. And the guy says, yeah, maybe that's it. What's bothering me, Asp? I mean, you got a closer look at that guy than I did, but, are you sure he was wearing a costume?
2: <laughs> ah, so that's what it is. Oh, no, that's just a dude in a suit. It's cool.
1: Mm-hmm. And then there's a Boris Karloff reference here, which is totally awesome, which I love. Um, and yep. then we see our buddy uh, coming through the uh, desert here. and He looks pretty menacing in that uh, panel there on the left on uh, page, uh, I think that's page 16 there.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. it's uh, the, the different colored um, sky. And the ground almost makes you think that it's not like necessarily full day. Maybe it's early in the morning when the light is kind of off. Or maybe it's late in the evening again, you know, when the light is kind of off. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do photographers, they, they call it like the golden hour or something like that? Yeah. Certain times of the, the day and the evening when the light is at a certain um, kind of light. And yeah, it, it definitely... Needless to say, it's it's very striking art. Uh, it's a very striking panel, for sure.
1: Yeah, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we see this explosion and uh, great sound effect. Whomp! <laughs> and then uh, we see a, a woman, uh, it looks like, probably running through the desert. And now we have our tie into the
2: cover, which uh, I really enjoyed this quite a bit. How about you? Yeah, I, I have questions about the setup, but, okay, I, I just, I'm like... At, at this point in time, would there really have been this situation? I mean, you know, or, or were they stretching things to like make a point or stretching things to make a story or it just I don't know. It, it just kind of struck me as odd. I, I'm not all that familiar with the 70s Middle Eastern politics. Uh, first me? of all, let me <laughs> let me throw that out. There, <laughs> so.
1: Yes, that's not a. Uh, I have no expertise in that area at all. I I think to myself, maybe they just went with it because uh, it seems like there has been conflict in, in that area of the world for thousands of years. So why not just throw it out there?
2: <laughs> sure, I, I you know I, yeah, I definitely maybe know that. that there were issues going on at the time, but it's like, yeah. would would those issues have boiled into you know this kind of situation? I I I don't know if and, and if anybody out there does know. Uh, I'm sure somebody does.
1: Um, yeah, chime in, you know,
2: please. Yeah, drop drop a line somewhere and let us know about the the plausibility of of what we're about to, uh, you know, talk about in a little bit more detail here, and let us know if if yeah things were this way and and it could have happened at that time.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, this there's there's a tank chasing this uh, woman down and. It actually blasts a shell pretty close to her, so I think she'd either be unconscious or dead uh, from the shrapnel, but she survived somehow, right?
2: Yeah, I, I would think she, <laughs> she may have been jellied there on the inside, <laughs> as close as that is, you know. She she might have been uh, still, you know, all, all in one piece, but, yeah, I don't know about the, the workings of the insides if, if they had been, you know, if it would have been too good anymore.
1: Yeah, her foot literally looks like it's maybe it, six inches from the uh, explosion.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, <laughs> it, that looks like about where the shell hit was. Yeah, right about where her foot was. And, um, But yeah, like, like you said, this is, this is what struck me. This is a female, which I know is possible, uh, Israeli soldier mm-hmm. uh, running through the desert by herself, first of all. And, and for the rest of the story, she never encounters any help. So it's not like she's part of a group and they're looking for her. They just haven't caught up with her yet. Um, so she's running out here in the desert by herself, being chased by a tank that, um I believe you said in the summary, um they said was an Egyptian tank.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, that's
2: that's what I it said. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I didn't get I, I mean, I guess because of where the story has been taking place, and, you know, the fact that it's, uh, a mummy and pharaohs, and so you know, that is connected to Egypt. Well, they must still be in the Egyptian desert. And th- but now there is a reference, and I I believe it is safe to say that the the men in the tank are Muslim. Um, but how necessarily we're supposed to have understood, unless I just missed something pretty obvious, that they're Egyptians. Um, and again, I know that at this time that Things between Israel and Egypt, several other countries in the area uh, at, at, at this time, I mean, when the when the comic came out, you know, they, they weren't the the warmest. Uh, you know, they were kind of frosty here between everybody, but it's like would an Egyptian tank have been running around the Egyptian desert chasing Israeli soldiers. So,
1: yeah and are there were there a lot of Israeli soldiers running
2: around the Egypt yeah, in the desert I, you know, probably I, not yeah I, I don't know <laughs> uh, maybe it's just this you know one part of Egypt maybe that tells us that this is occurring in a specific part of Egypt near yeah. i I don't even think that Israel borders on Egypt really I, yeah so, so here
3: here
1: we go. I'm just like lost with that kind of stuff because I just i don't I don't see that as as possible but again i i totally yeah could be completely wrong here because yeah egypt cairo all the way up that way like yeah i mean it's not far from israel but it's kind of like across a little bit more from there i don't know again this is just i guess this is just these guys indulging themselves with uh you know <laughs> what they what they wanted to do for this comic not really putting anything out there that was even sort of factual <laughs>
2: oh yeah definitely there there is no no yeah. doubt that I could be overthinking it. And looking it up here real quick, it, it does look like Israel borders Egypt. So
1: yes, yeah, not too far. Yeah,
2: I guess I'm just a goober for not really realizing that. Um, and I th- this is the point where in my um, recording history, I say that I am a geography major. Uh, I have a degree <laughs> uh, in a little folder that says I was actually a, a graduated with a geography degree. So I, I guess I missed uh, there somewhere by not knowing that Israel and Egypt do actually share a border. So for all you uh, geographists out there, I, I apologize for letting you down.
1: Yeah, you missed uh, Middle Eastern Day, I guess. It, I, yeah, I, I did.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't take uh, <laughs> Mid- Middle East 101, I guess, to get my degree. I, I took something else.
3: Uh,
1: well, I like after that explosion panel, again, another wump sound effect. Uh, we see the tank guy uh, with the, like you said, like a fifty caliber on top, going ha 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 Yeah. And there, there's the woman, and then there's the mummy, like all tiny in the background. There, I really like that.
2: <laughs> yeah, it, interesting. Just um, combination of of things uh, coming into the same place here. The mummy, who is just wandering around, right, as far as we know, yeah, uh, happens to wander into the line of sight of a tank that is chasing a lone individual (laughs) through the desert, taking pot shots at her, trying to kill her uh, with the tank itself, with the, with the big main gun, not the mounted machine gun, which you would think, well, you probably would have a better chance of being, you know, more surgical in your, in your shooting. No, they're trying to kill her by firing the main tank gun at her. Um, uh, in the middle, uh, again, in the middle of nowhere, Th- this is, this is nothing. They're just in the desert, you know? And so all of these elements, all of these, uh, storylines, all are coming together right here in the, in the same, you know, I don't know, half a mile square <laughs> of this huge desert in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Like and then
1: a- I, the, the cap- yeah, there's a caption box on the bottom panel on the left that says, and the living mummy lumbers forward, gnarled hands outstretched, to Help the young woman to her feet. But then this is what he thinks to himself This is a warrior of my strange new world. Then I weep. Well, why do you weep? What did what? she what what do you mean you weep? Why are you weeping for just because a tank almost killed her? Oh, yeah. Look at the big gun she just avoided, man. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, and then he but then he changes his tune when he sees uh she's a uh, woman and he says, She is so young, so lovely, with so much to live for. <laughs>
2: So I'm like, wow. do you think that's why he's weeping? Because it's it's a shame that someone in, in the second text box position is in the position of the first text box? Do you think that's why he's weeping?
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. I just thought that was kind of weird. Like, what are you weeping about, dude? And I'm like, then he sees it's a woman and she's young and lovely. I'm like, oh, boy. And she turns around and looks at him which again i can't even imagine being in the desert it's probably like 120 degrees over there you're getting shot at by a, a cannon here on a you know a, a tank and these dudes are chasing you i'd probably think i was tripping out from just you know heat exhaustion and she sees our buddy here right
2: yeah right first of all there's not going to be anybody out there to help her that she was expecting right but the the mm-hmm. one person that does help she looks up and she sees a mummy which i'm sure we can all imagine you know what would be going through our head at that particular moment.
1: Mm-hmm. The caption box reads, then the girl looks up,
2: sees the misshapen bandage,
1: wrapped hands reaching towards her, dripping the dirt and decay of more than three thousand years. And where and were Rasha Russia, Russia, Meyer, mayor, not a soldier in her country's proud army, she would scream. <laughs> right. a Good. Good. Uh, up close of her and then the mummy. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I like how Merrick is juxtaposing Face shots, uh, mm-hmm. and this is like the at least the second that I've mentioned. But I think there was another one or maybe two uh, instances in this story where he has done that as as part of his storytelling, and I I, I really enjoyed that aspect.
1: Yeah, and then she of course picks up her uh, weapon here and points it at him, like, "What's going on?" And you know, she doesn't know what this thing is or what it's going to do or it's going to help. Is it an enemy? Is it a friendly? And in this moment of you know non clarity our boys here in the tank are like, uh, let's shoot them. And the guy says, we fired our last cannon shell. So they're having so much fun trying to use the cannon to shoot her. They ran out of shells. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he gets, a, uh, he gets to the machine gun and says, uh, what good are small arms against a creature such as that? And the other guy says, by Allah, if that thing is truly one of the timeless dead, which I doubt, a 50 caliber machine gun will return it to the ground as well as anything else. And he opens fire And the mummy just stands there like, this isn't hurting me. And it's like bouncing off of him, the bullets Mm -hmm. and uh, the soldiers like, well, I'm going to just jump in behind you here. So no strays hit me.
2: (laughs) Uh, Good idea. I mean, she doesn't know what in the world it is, but she sees that, wow, this 50 cows not taking it out. So I'll hide here. Yeah. And I like how
1: he kind of turns and looks at her diving behind him like, where are you going? (laughs) Yep. He says, the girl desires my hideous new body as a shield. Then so be it. I have little enough else to offer.
2: <laughs> wow! How, how very magnanimous of you. Yeah, Here, yeah. I'll I'll throw myself under the bus for you. You you go ahead and hide.
1: A self-deprecating mummy, just what yeah. we always needed.
2: <laughs> there we go. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, they
1: blast and blast and blast, and nothing happens. And then here's where we kind of get the scene from the uh, cover, right, where she's hiding, mm-hmm. and she's like, "Hey, I got an idea."
2: <laughs> yeah, and and you're right. I I don't know that. Uh, we We have ever seen you know, I've watched training videos for different things, and I don't believe I've ever seen anybody trained to pull the pin on a grenade with their mouth. I think you might lose your teeth. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but I think you might lose a tooth doing that uh, yeah if if that's how you're yeah, anyways, but yeah, that's what <laughs> we see her do that in one panel and then uh, fling their grenade in the other. So like this um the one panel where she's behind the mummy the tank shooting at the mummy with the with the fifty cal um the mm-hmm. bullets being blocked she's got the grenade pulls the pin with her mouth this panel is like just a different uh angle point of view from exactly what the cover is showing us mm-hmm. yeah but i love it and it uh, as she throws it it's
1: uh, when the uh, other part there i'm sorry i don't know what the name of that part is that's the other part of the green, that when you pull the pin it flicks off it says not Wolverine snicked, but snacked. Snacked, Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's, I, maybe that's called the spoon. Could be. I'm um, not. I'm not up on grenades. Uh, to yeah. That I'm. <laughs> I'm not either. That, yeah. The, the jargon there. Yeah. It's hissing and going hiss on its way there. And okay, this is great too. So again, we're we're going from like you know seven, eight, nine panel grid of this action, which is totally fine and cool and looked great. You turn the page to 26. And we see a full-page uh, splash here of room and the uh, tank exploding here. Why don't you uh, speak on this?
2: Yeah, that that is very, uh, very kinetic. Um, you've got the—oh, man. Okay. Uh, in the foreground, you've got the Israeli soldier, of course, still hiding behind the mummy. Uh, mm-hmm. And actually, he is standing there like he is protecting her as well because his— his arms are spread out, and his legs are a little spread out too, like he's uh, trying to take up a lot of space to give her a lot of, of area to to be shielded in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, in in the as we're looking, we're looking from behind her and behind the mummy, of course. So, in the background of the picture is the tank, um, the turret itself has been completely blown off of the body of the tank. And we can see that there's separation.
3: Mm -hmm. Uh,
2: There's exploding lines from the body that you, you can imagine are pushing the turret off of the tank. On above the turret, we see that the 50 cal and probably the guy that was arming it have also been blown apart. Uh, the dude into probably a couple pieces that I can see, maybe more if you use your imagination. Yeah, uh, the 50 cal has been blown completely off the turret, and then above all of that is the the sound of the explosion. B W A dash R A R-O-O-M, and those last four are in a slightly different vibratory font, like it's a much more powerful sound for that last part of the mm-hmm. uh, of the, the noise. Um, energy being expelled everywhere for the rest of the panel to the, the top of the panel. And then at the top, we have a couple uh, narrator bars, you know, telling us, which isn't at all necessary, uh, telling us what we're seeing here. But very um and again if, if i can borrow a dad joke very explosive panel here
1: yeah it is like top notch this is this is a page that if it was for sale and i could afford it
2: i would oh, try to buy this oh man in black in, in just inked uh, pen and inked this oh mm. it would be awesome
1: yeah it's incredible and again this did very very much remind me of a dc war book where you would see things like this on the regular i don't have a ton of dc war books but i have enough and have seen enough that Again, you you would see stuff like this on the regular, and I thought, this is a really good way for Marvel, man. They're infusing, you know, like a horror book with, you know, like a war book right here, right?
2: Yeah, and and it's it's very much of a style, like I said earlier, that is not what you're seeing in Iron Man and Captain America and the Hulk and those books. You know, this is a a very different sensibility for the artwork and uh, it, it's it's one that i think a lot of people enjoy horror people would like this war people would dig this i think so yeah it's mm-hmm. it's a good uh, a good different kind of art than what the superheroes um are and it's and it's being used very effectively
1: yeah and again now when you get to the last page here 27 this you got to give kudos to not only Tony
2: Isabella with the
1: the writing, or I'm sorry, I guess this was Len Wein scripting, but a, a co-plot by Isabella and uh, Valmeira co-plot, and of course the artwork here. We see a dichotomy here, you know, where uh, this uh, Israeli soldier is standing in front of this tank that was, you know, that she, you know, basically took out with a little assist from our buddy and Kantu here. That you know, it's it's like something she triumphed over, and the panels are split in a way that the mummies head and face are like cut in half like his profile where half of his face is on that page and the other half of his head and face and neck and everything is on the other panel where it shows you know kind of the 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 earlier uh where the other scene where he was you know uh killing that lion to
2: become you know good enough to be chieftain after his father right that's really good yeah yeah I definitely i i think it's it's very effectively showing that, in essence, he's at t- it, he's in two different places at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. He's very present, right, with the Israeli girl in the yeah. tank in the Egyptian desert. But—and you could almost say in his mind, because that part of him is what's in that panel, his head, not his face. His head, his mind, thinking back to when he beat his lion. So, yeah, they're they're drawing those parallels with—in order to become— that person, how mm-hmm. you know, however you want to describe it, you have to you have to win big. you know, you have to defeat something great, potentially greater than you. Well she, eh, with a little bit of an assist, just beat this tank, which of course, one person beating a tank is is almost impossible. I mean, that's you know, that's just <laughs> unheard of. But then juxtapose him beating the lion uh, to show his prowess. Um, and then the the common factor is in Kentu. He was obviously present in one, uh, but now he's been present in the other. so he is the he is the connecting tissue between these two scenes of uh, a lone individual uh, with with great triumph and and yeah it was this this also I think minus the coloring these two panels just on one piece of paper would make an excellent uh, black and white original piece of artwork to have.
1: Yeah. And I mean, the, the part where his, you know, face is with the soldier in the tank, his
2: eye is like
1: really, really opened mm-hmm. like, like wide. And I, I just thought this was really, really, you know, high quality stuff. Again, you, you're just, if you would tell somebody, Hey, there was this comic from, you know, 1974 about a mummy. And there was a tank, and there was a soldier. People would probably think, "What are you talking about?" Like, if, yeah. you wrote, if you wrote this out in a paragraph, but the visuals and the script and these, you know, caption boxes and everything put together in a blender, it's it's really, really high, to, high, high, to, like,
2: yeah. high quality stuff here. I I agree completely. Uh, it it un, unfortunately, you know, this uh, these people working together on this only occurred for a very short period of time. Uh, But yeah, it's very, um, very, very top notch for what Mm -hmm. is going to be out there at the time. This, this I think would hold itself with some of the best artwork from any of the companies out right now. Right now, being when this came out, Uh, technique, uh, storytelling, particularly visual storytelling. It's really he really Merrick had a big hand in the the storytelling so much so that even in the credits, he's given a co-plot uh, yeah. uh, assignment or whatever you want to call that. So obviously he did something, but then when you read the story, you see, oh yeah, the way that this art uh, gets across this part of the story or even relays the entire story for that period of time that you're looking at those panels. He, he did an excellent, excellent job of, of relaying to us, you know, what, he may have just gotten as a bunch of words and he put into these, these visual lines and, and it, he did an excellent job.
1: Yeah. And I mean, it's only seven panels, but this last page, man, a lot of pathos here. And then <laughs> the mummy just starts to wander away. And uh, the woman says, no, please wait. I want to thank you. And she says, I don't know who or what you are, but you saved my life and helped to prove something very important to me. And that panel in the middle there, just shows them in silhouette, mm-hmm. uh, you know, shaking hands basically. So again, not, you know, it isn't something that was probably incredibly hard for Merrick to draw, but less is kind of more in that middle panel there. And she says, I don't know where you came from or where you are bound, but I pray you go in peace. Shalom, my mysterious friend. Shalom. And it shows him turning away. and He looks really pissed off. So I don't know if he's just pissed off because he's, you know, wanted to still try to become a man and not, you know, this mummy and it's not going well for him or what. But he uh, then shambles off by himself, right?
2: Yep. Just like he has been doing he wanders into something and then just wanders out
1: Mm -hmm. so yeah that's it then next the sting of the asp so
2: overall what did you think of this issue pretty pretty strong pretty fun yeah excellent story uh excellent art um how it necessarily relates to in overall story i you know maybe there's a lot of debate there Mm -hmm. um the the beginning part is is very Ah, uh, poignant because it shows the early years of Encanto. So okay, but after that, all of this with the the soldier in the desert and everything, does it add to him? Maybe I guess to show that he is still that man inside all of the the wrappings. Three thousand years later, mm-hmm. okay, I could see that. Um, you could have done that. I think any number of ways. So I thought this was an interesting choice. The lone soldier versus a tank with the help of the mummy. Mm, I'm I'm not sure that's what I would have thought of, but you know, okay, <laughs> that's you know, you you got your point across. You added some to Nkantu's story. You had a book that was entertaining throughout. You know that that somebody definitely would have read the entire story. Um, so I I suppose you know their job was done um, in that that aspect. That job that they did do however you may feel about it i thought that they did really really well yeah it might have
1: been a roundabout way of you know uh, giving some more character development to the mummy here but yeah it was it, it all worked out in the end and yeah i thought it was a lot a lot of fun and there was a little uh, tiny three page uh, backup here called flying saucer it's a golden age story and there's not really much in the credits and it's just kind of one of those kooky you know weird kind of 50s sci-fi stories that has like a crazy ironic ending to it but yeah i mean it was okay and it's tough finding credits for it other than jack abel inks there's really not a whole lot that you can find you can't find a scriptor, and pencils and all or just like kind of nobody yeah. really knows
2: <laughs> yeah who knows somebody in the bullpen just threw this together and and uh, submitted it and they just printed it up and whatever like i'm sure was done a lot uh, back when this story was done they just got together uh they needed an ex you know, page story, they collaborated and put it together and then just put it out there.
1: Yeah. Up until now, I think most of these backups were Ditko,
2: you know, Lee and Ditko mm. kind of. Things. Yeah, yeah. But
1: not this one. This one was something uh, a little different. But all right. Well, if you are ready, we could move on to number 11. Yes, sir. All right. So this one was cover dated February 1975. And we have oh, I, I'm bowing right now. You can't see me, but I'm bowing right now. Frank Brunner cover. He is uh, one of my favorite artists of all time. He's my favorite Doctor Strange artist of all time, so uh, he did the pencils and inks and colors, Glennis Oliver or Glennis Ween, then for a time. And uh, what do you think of this one? This is a really,
2: really good cover. First, I did I did pick up there the the slight nuance of I believe genuflecting. Is the word? Isn't mm-hmm. that the word for when you bow? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, we, yep. we did hear that, so that will be on the recording. We we heard those <laughs> knees pop. That that was the big part of it. Is, yeah. Now I can't um, get up. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. Well, that's okay. We're we're just talking, so you can just lay there on the floor. It's cool. No no problems. <laughs> um, still like you said, that that living mummy logo is is just very distinctive. Um, the living just looks like a a you know a filled in font with a particular color whatever color they're using but the word mummy is uh, i don't know it's it's almost like a a magical or a it it's hard to describe but it's very different from the words the living now mm-hmm. i will say at the very top it says supernatural thrillers featuring and absolutely no no frills font I, there's nothing <laughs> you know really outstanding about that but the the living mummy, and then, yeah, the word mummy, it's just the left-hand lobe of the M is coming up even with the word the, and then the right-hand lobe of the Y for mummy is doing the same thing, almost like, mm, like tendrils or something like that mm-hmm. on the word mummy. It's just – it's a very spooky uh, – Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, you know, it's it's hard to describe what it looks like, other than it it looks like something. You know, they're doing something to elevate the word mummy, and maybe in the process give you a an idea of what the character is about just from the logo. Now, if that's not enough, over here to the left hand side, you mm. you have this movie headshot of the mummy's face. Yeah, this very much looks like uh, the the shot of the mummy from the movie that you mentioned several episodes ago Mm -hmm. um with the one eye obscured and the other eye open but like a a beady kind of eye open uh you can see the mouth but it's not necessarily overly distinguished you can just see where it should be very uh puts me in mind of a shot from a a movie serial or maybe a serial but a a movie
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Oh, very much so. Yeah, it looks very Karloff to me.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Boris Boris Karloff. Yeah. Um, Now, the rest of it, the the mummy is, um, yeah, I I guess you could say it is the mummy. Uh, But obviously he's running around here on fire. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so, of course, I immediately wondered, ooh, you know, is is that the mummy's weakness is fire because of what all he's made of and 3000 years old and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. With these two characters that uh, I recognize the Asp, maybe I didn't necessarily recognize the other dude, but knowing that this is Asp on the one side, the assumption would be that this was the other dude on the other side. So Safari guy, yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look just, like him, though. <laughs> no, not—and <laughs> let, let's say that's because of the direct light being given off from the Burning Mummy, and we'll just— mm-hmm. Leave it at that. We we missed it because he's in bright light and maybe that messed up our eyeball there.
3: But uh, yeah. very,
2: very dynamic. You know, ooh, something is going on. The mummy is burning. Um, this cover also very directly ties into a scene that we will see later on in the story itself inside the mm-hmm. book. So I, I just I really appreciate that there was enough communication that whomever was given the assignment to draw the cover was told something about inside the book, the story. Yeah, like
1: you said, other than, you know, the the safari guy not looking like the safari guy from the previous issue, other than that, I have gotten no complaints about this because, again, like you said, it's something that does happen in the book. And Brunner, I don't know, there's just something just a little bit more dynamic about his covers in, in in overall and especially in detail like the wrappings on the mummy there's this yeah. detail the smashed door the clothing on the asp especially the guy in the background is a little more obscured but the flames coming off of the mummy oh it's just it's an incredible cover he again
2: I, i'm bowing <laughs> oh yeah you're you're absolutely right this is this is definitely a work of art uh you can even see why the mummy is on fire because the flames trail down to a lantern that has been dropped and broken. And so you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Well then that's what happened. Somebody was carrying a lantern or, or perhaps they threw it at the mummy. Right. And it burst in front of him and set him on fire.
1: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. You know exactly what's going on here. There's no, uh, well,
2: I can't figure this quite much, you
1: know, what's going on here, but there are, (laughs) there are a couple of little blurbs. One says, when strikes the asp, even an immortal must fall. And, it Those those uh, boxes sound very menacing, but I feel like it should say the asp craps his pants and so does his friend, because the two of them look like even though the mummy's on fire and looks like it might be in very much danger, they're they're going to need to check their underwear.
2: Yeah, it certainly by this doesn't look like they did anything. It looks like <laughs> no. they have, like, come up on a scene or something like that, and they're very surprised by it.
1: Yeah, they look like there's they don't like
2: they don't look like they just struck struck or strike to me no no they they were not winning whatever was going on here that's not how they look
1: no not at all but uh
2: all right well why don't we jump in here so this is the asps
1: big score and this is a script tony isabella and again co-plotted along with val merrick and then pencils and inks val merrick so wholesale artwork him by him Colors by Bill Matlow and letters by Alan Kupperberg. So, wow, think of that murderer's row here.
2: Isabella, Meyrick, Matlow and Kupperberg Pretty, yeah, pretty good. No doubt. Did did Kupperberg do a whole lot of lettering? I thought I, I knew him more for like writing. Yeah, no, I don't think he did. But I think, you know, maybe when he was starting out, it was, hey, you got to do
1: something to pay the bills. And uh, they were like, hey, oh, hey, pal, you think you're a writer and an artist? How about you just uh, letter this for now?
2: Right. Yeah. Whatever <laughs> it takes to, to get get some work. Yeah, I, I got that. Yeah, I
1: interviewed a guy. Uh, he didn't do a ton of comics work, but he, he did a decent bit. Stephen Grant is his name. I don't know if you know yeah. him. He did some, yeah, yeah, he did some Punisher name. work, yeah? Mm-hmm. He did some stuff in the Bronze Age, and I remember specifically asking him why he wrote a specific story. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of Omega the Unknown. Yeah. But that was a Steve Gerber creation. And right, right, right. Right, that series ended very abruptly with Issue 10, and it said at the a- end of Issue 10, you know, we'll we'll find out the conclusion to Omega the Unknown and his story in an issue of the Defenders. And it took a while for that issue to come out or that story be in the issue of the Defenders. And he had told me the reason why was because, you know, Steve Gerber started having some legal battles with Marvel over Howard the Duck, and nobody else uh, felt that they could finish oh. off that story. Okay. So I guess Marvel said. Hey, do you want to do it, Tony? No. Hey, do you want to do it, you know, Jerry Coming? No. Nobody wanted to do it because they didn't want to follow trying to finish up that story and follow Steve Gerber. And Stephen Grant told me, hey, they asked me, and I was like, sure, I'll do it because I needed to eat, you know? right? No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe this is, you know, so early in uh, Alan Kupferberg's career. Maybe he was just <laughs> like, I got to pay the rent somehow, man. Give me that lettering
2: job. Yep. He's <laughs> standing there with his hand out, and they give him a lettering assignment.
1: Yep, it's like, hey, I'd, I'd love to be a writer or an artist as well, but if you're going to let me color or letter or something, and that's going to get me a check so I can actually eat, uh, bring it on. <laughs> yep. So I'm thinking that maybe is what happened there. But all right, so yeah, this one, uh, the synopsis just says, Zephyr finds the mummy and restores him to health. The two then seek out the Asp and Miles Oldan for the Scarlet Scarab. Yeah, so that's, you know, like I said, that's our buddy Safari guy. But okay, right. so why don't we uh, dive right in here again? Oh, man, this splash page is something else. So again, we have Val Merrick and again, this is pencils and inks by him. And again, the colorist, again, Bill Mantlo, d- deserves a lot of credit here as well. But boy, I would like to see the line work for this one as well. Why don't you describe this splash page?
2: Oh, man, yeah. Um, the w- when, when you first open the book, the thing that's really going to grab you is the head of the mummy mm-hmm. that is probably uh, almost half, maybe about 40% of the panel top to bottom right in the middle of the panel uh there's narrator text above and to the left and above to the right and on the right hand side in large font is the story title the asps big score all of that takes up about half of the page then the rest of the page is asp and safari dude in some you know really bare bones kind of room Uh, it's it's strikes me as as very um old 30s desert or tropical islandy kind of sparsely decorated room Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's very poor there's a bare bulb over here on the the one side (laughs) illuminating the room the asp is holding up in in a really weird way i think uh the (laughs) yes the scarlet scarab you know and and he's talking about it to olden to safari dude uh there it is olden the big shape or excuse me the bug shaped hunk of jewel that's going to get us more money than we've ever imagined and he's standing there holding it uh olden is standing next to him almost looks like it's he's almost clasping his arm out of Mm
3: -hmm.
2: yeah out of some kind of fear emotion (laughs) And he says, if the mummy doesn't get us, so I guess that's what it is. He's grasping his arm because he's, he's frightened. Um, but just, just very sparsely decorated, sparsely furnished room Mm -hmm. with these two men. They're, they're fully clothed. Like they just came into the room from, you know, they, they just got there. Like, let's say they've, they've paid for the room for the night or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's holding the, um, Asp is is holding the scarab up, and they're examining it, almost talking about it. Um, oh, what what's his name? Um, Asp. The, the the safari the, man. <laughs> um, the actor. Um, Bogart, Humphrey Bogart. This this. Oh something yeah. Something about this just puts me very much in a old Humphrey Bogart movie kind of frame. Um, mm-hmm. I have no idea why. Maybe it's the. Uh, the the one where he was the the boat captain or, or but just somewhere I'm like yeah. one of these two dudes is bogey probably the dude with the hat I, I don't mm-hmm. know why
3: yeah
1: I totally agree with you this this does give you like a you know Maltese Falcon Casablanca kind of vibe yep
2: yeah the, kind of like a Adobe walls or something like that you know just a, a mm-hmm. yeah It's really um which, which is interesting because I don't necessarily know a whole lot about these things that I'm I'm trying to to speak on, but apparently I know enough about them or have seen them enough that this image is evocative of something that I have seen in the past. And I'm trying to, you know, dig up what it is. So that I, I think that means that the artwork has done a, a pretty good job getting some kind of emotion out of me.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if it was drawn this way. I mean the room to show that these guys were on some hard times or that you know, that's they're in a seedier kind of joint, or you know, or what's going on, or maybe you know, a little bit of both of those things. But yeah, it's really neat, like you said. Other than the way the asp is holding the scarab, <laughs> yeah. uh, that looks a little wonky. The way he has his wrist turned like that. Other than that, and then it looks like the pull chain for the light isn't at the socket. It looks like it's in the bulb. Yeah, <laughs> coming out <laughs> of the middle of the bulb almost. Yeah, but other than that, this is fantastic, and it all comes down to that mummy's head. That's you know, it's in the background, but it's like the biggest, scariest, you yeah, know, it's, it's the right focal there. point of the page. Yep. I, it, I love it.
2: <laughs> it. really gives you feelings that no matter what this, it, that no matter where these men are or what they're doing, they're still quote unquote in the mummy's sight is kind of what, how that feels to me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, again, we get the, the two of them just having a little conversation here and. They do, you know, flesh out a safari guy here a little bit and show that uh, he's into artwork and stuff like that. And I, I do like, too, how uh, they use the word cripes and they spell it with a K for some bizarre reason here. I always thought it was with a C, but hey, maybe I could be wrong, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was with a C, too. But yeah, you're right.
1: Mm-hmm. And then uh, they say about, you know, the run in with stealing the scarab from uh, the living Pharaoh. And uh, our buddy here, safari guy, says, I read in the papers the cops picked him up which means the living mummy stark raving mad and the mummy he's been sighted all over cairo he's looking for us asp and the asp says come off it old dan what chance has that character got finding us in a city of three and a half million people well of course you know what's going to happen next right yeah really <laughs> Not,
2: nice setup guys
1: <laughs> he comes crashing right through the door and again it, it, here's here's our scene uh, here in the, the next page right coming up to uh,
2: reflect the cover mm-hmm. Yeah this this um interesting uh occupation here by old Dan that I'll mention here in a minute but um mm-hmm. full page full page panel uh the mummy just comes obliterating through the wooden door hitting the door so hard that it has to have shook the building because the light bulb is swinging to and fro <laughs> Because of the force of the blow. So it wasn't just the door that suffered. The whole building must have moved in order to jostle the um, light bulb, unless for some reason the light bulb is attached to the door somehow. I don't think that would be the case. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and then here you've got um, Asp holding the Scarlet Scarab, which we can still see, fortunately. He didn't lay it down and hide like he did in the Oasis. He's (laughs) still standing here holding it. Uh, yelling out, Cripes, he's here Um, on one side of the panel. On the other side, we see Olden, but in front of him, between he and the mummy, is a a painting. And on the floor is a can with paintbrushes in it, a fueled lantern, a a, a hurricane (laughs) lamp, on a chair sitting next to it. And... uh, yeah, I guess that's everything here. But uh, to me, it's obvious that what they're trying to say is this painting, whatever's going on in this quote, co- is something Olden has been has been doing. Mm-hmm. And I I don't know. I mean, up until now, <laughs> what, what did we even have the slightest inkling that dude p- painted or did anything?
1: Did no. anything?
2: I mean, I just I just thought he liked to go on safaris, man. That was it. Yeah, he's just been a dude in the story. <laughs> um, here in a couple pages, does it start? Let's see. Not the next page. But here very soon, we get a text piece uh, that goes mm-hmm. on for a couple pages that really fills in quite a bit, uh, particularly of old Dan, but gives us an indication of why Asp and Old Dan are even together. Um not like, Heavy, detailed, but kind of a "oh, that's why" kind of mm-hmm. explanation for why they're why they're together. Um, and then in the bottom probably third of this panel, we have uh, the start of the narration,
3: mm-hmm.
2: which again, in this panel, I don't necessarily think that any narration is necessary. I mean, I I have a pretty good idea of what's going on, you know, and obviously I know what occurred up to this point. Yeah. And if if you're going to narrate and tell me something that's going to happen say starting the next page or don't just let this page (laughs) be itself now i i I do understand that they must have known that this narration was going to go because Mm -hmm. a lot of this bottom uh, i don't know 20 percent of the panel doesn't really have a whole lot of um explanation for anything that's going on other than the slats of the floor so you can see it's a wooden floor so there's a large Empty or negative, I guess they would call it space here,
3: which right. they must
2: have been told because leave room for a narration here, you know, which must have been what they did. But I, it's, it's just it's another panel in the story that it's like, no, you don't really have to say anything because the artwork is giving you completely what the story is for this page.
1: Yeah, so on this page, there was just a couple of things I wanted to point out. So you pointed out everything going on in this page, but it looks like they have a bottle of Jack and a shot glass over on the dresser there.
2: <laughs> yeah, you're right. I see that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then, too, I thought to myself, they have tables in here, you know, places to put a lamp. Why is it on the guy's chair? Like, I, uh, I, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. That's a little, a little kooky there. And then I did think maybe, just a tiny little possibility here, maybe the uh, the the bulb is going back and forth because uh, maybe that piece of the door might have hit it. I don't know.
3: Oh, I could not, be.
1: Okay. Yeah, because he smashes the piece of the door with the knob on it, and it it looks like it's heading in that direction or did hit it maybe. So I'm like, oh, maybe that
2: was it. I don't know. Could could be. Yeah, you're right. Could be. I didn't I didn't think of that. But yeah, the way it's drawn, it's like okay, maybe the door hit it, uh, and and so then what it's telling you is that the pieces of the door flew into the room.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that one's about to hit through the
2: door. Yeah, yeah. Hit
1: hit Safari guy there. He's going to get knocked out by if he doesn't move. But (laughs) But yeah, um, I I do like that 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 caption box. It says, "For you would have to fail to take into account uh, that the mummy needs no sleep, no food, and could spend every single hour of the day and night searching for his salvation." So we don't know how much time has taken place since last issue and this issue. Because the guy, you know, Asp was like, "Oh, this city's so huge, he'll never find us." But if it's been a bit of length of time, and again, they stop to eat, they stop to sleep, and this and that, where he doesn't, he'd eventually probably find them,
2: right? Right. Yeah. He'll he'll catch up because they're taking breaks, but he's not.
1: Yeah. So okay, when we get to this next scene here, you know, uh, Safari guy Asp stand back, and he takes his lamp, which didn't look like it was lit on the previous page, but no. it is now and he chucks it at our buddy the mummy and it catches him on fire and he actually screams and he starts running around in a panic and it looks like he runs into a wall or runs through the wall of their like little you know hotel room or whatever you want to say here hacienda whatever and falls face first into the street into like some puddles and that puts him uh, you know out you know puts the fire out but i will say this when you look at that page and everything we've seen previously When I first saw these next couple of pages with these giant text boxes, I thought, why did Tony Isabella do this? Was he just trying to indulge himself a bit with what he wanted to write and the panels weren't enough? But then I'm thinking to myself, I think possibly maybe Val Merrick was running uh, late with the artwork. Okay. because when you look at page seven and it shows uh, the asp there and what's going on there is like it looks like a rush job. Like it's not totally finished. You know what I mean? Like, especially yes. compared to the earlier pages. And I thought maybe they said to him, Hey, he's not gonna be able to finish in time. And that's why there are some, you know, huge text boxes that have just like, you know, these like one, two, three, four, five paragraphs of text in it. It's that's what I thought must've happened. Maybe he, I guess he was running late because that looks very not detailed, like
2: at all. Right. And, and that would also explain why, Suddenly for, what is that? That's about 80% of that page and probably 75, 80% of the next page is just text with just Mm -hmm. spot illustrations. Um, Then the very next page after the mummy goes uh, face planting,
3: Mm -hmm. the
2: first panel on the left, ASP is barely rendered. Yeah. So... So maybe that's what's going on is that they they didn't leave Merrick enough time or he didn't have enough time. The, the art seems to be getting a little bit more open or a little bit more sketchy rather than finished. And then, bam, for two whole pages just about is text. So mm-hmm. all of that would, would make you think, well, you know, hmm, something was going on with the art and yeah. maybe maybe it turned out at this point it was a time issue. Yeah, and maybe it didn't bat on me. I should have looked it up.
1: I, for all I know, maybe over these couple of months here, maybe uh, Merrick did, you know, two or three other books, too, oh, which, it, which right, is, yeah. is, is ask, it's asking a lot. So, Or maybe he's just one of those artists, too. Again, like to harken back to the cover artist Frank Brunner, I know that's pretty much why he got out of comics, because he couldn't keep up with the pace, because he, he was so detailed in his work he could not keep up with the monthly rigors of a book. Like when Dr. Strange went from every other month to every month, he really faded off the book very quickly because he could not keep up with that schedule with how he draws. So maybe that's the
2: case. Could be the case here as well. Could be. Yeah. Uh, We, we know, you know, Merrick's been at it for, for a little while now. So Mm -hmm. something must be going on because, uh, and by at it, I mean, just, you know, doing art. Um, Something is going on because you can see that it it's starting uh, the past couple pages and the next several pages to not look as much like Merrick's art as, say the the issue before this did,
1: yeah, it almost looks like it's just, you know, penciled uh, and very, very quickly inked,
2: yeah, yeah. if even at in some places, if inked at all, just colored, uh, again, like this panel here where asp is going back through the door that encantu just broke into you, you can barely discern him from the wall and from the door.
1: Yep. Yeah. And like you're saying that page two, page six and page seven, page six, you know, it ends with, uh, the Asp saying, old Dan, I got a better look this time. This guy is for real. And like I said, here we go. I don't know if, uh, Kupferberg, maybe he was in a hurry too, to get this out, but O L D D a N, the very next page, very first panel, O L D D E N. I'm like, yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. What's this guy's name? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we don't know at this point. Yeah. But he says, I never argue with experience, Olden. Let's go. And he says, But my paints, right. my canvases. Yeah. He's, he's really like, you can tell he's, he is rendered enough, well enough there to, to tell he's distraught about this. And the asp says, Look, after we sell the scarab, we'll sneak back. If the coast is clear, we'll get them. If not, we'll buy a whole new set. Good stuff. Not like the dime store crap you've been using. This caper is going to set us up for life, just like I promised you. You're going to get your chance to be great, and then that's when we see this. You know, the, he's uh, basically like panel, two panels, whatever you want to call it. That's not, you know, rendered very, uh, very well as far as you know detail. And then this, uh, you know, the the huge like five paragraph uh, text piece here, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you're you're right. That that is very. Uh, sketchy art. And by by sketchy, I don't mean like iffy or questionable. I mean like just the barest of idea put down with pencil and then Mm -hmm. something. Either it gets inked over or it gets colored to show the definition or a combination of both. But yeah, sketchy in the, well, you know, how about this idea? And Mm -hmm. they're like, okay, yeah, we'll take it. And and they ran with it Uh, again, which would um, show that perhaps there were some time issues going on.
1: And uh, the text piece starts out saying a chance to be great. And that's how that last te- text text. Uh, I'm sorry, a uh, caption or not caption box uh, word balloon uh, ended there. And mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, it kind of goes into uh, the background on these two guys and it says the ass fixation extended beyond the usual fixation of making it big. He, of course, wanted to be great himself. He placed just as much, if not more emphasis on seeing that Olden was likewise elevated to those stellar ranks. And he goes, which, if you're at all familiar with the Asp personal history, you will agree is somewhat unusual. You see, the Asp had a long record of being, there is no softening of the term, a patsy. And it says about him being in some street gangs by the time he was 12. And that was his family by then. And he took the rap for a robbery and two years. uh, It says two years at the detention farm, which I've never heard of a detention farm. So. Not too familiar with that, but it does really get into, you know, detail about him on that page and then uh, on uh, Old Dan, you know, Safari guy here on the, uh, the next page, uh, page 10, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, the, um, the next page. It, and, and they kind of divided it up. The first page was Asp and the second mm-hmm. page was more uh, Old Dan and what he is. But here we, we do see kind of an explanation for the fact that he is painting perhaps— um, he is described as being multifaceted, and some of the uh, illicit things that he has gotten up to kind mm-hmm. of show him as they describe him as being a gentleman's thief. so he was he was kind of more the the prim and proper, like, you know, turn of the century kind of bad guy, um as opposed to any, Hardened gun-carrying kind of person that would have been around um, here in the the 70s when we're seeing this, and presumably that is when it's going on as well, because we have that uh, Israeli-Egyptian conflict. So you you see that he's kind of an old-school kind of dude, and so maybe he was into arts and and having free time, which I. It's kind of surprising he had free time because they were, they were on the run. I mean, they yeah. were trying to stay away from the mummy, so I, I would think that meant they were always moving. Um, mm-hmm. a plus, to trying to find, either trying to find or getting to uh, whomever had agreed to buy the scarab. You know, so they they would yeah. have been moving around and. And everything like that, they wouldn't have had time just to sit in a room and let Olden, uh, you know, consult his muse and put that down on on board, <laughs> as you know. So, um yeah. obviously, I guess they're they're trying to, I guess what they're wanting to do by the text piece, uh, in general as well, is is add some more character to these two men that have just been very mm-hmm. uh, superficial up to this point. You know, they've both just been dudes uh, with a mm-hmm. couple of names, and we we don't know anything about them. We don't know why we don't know, you know, and, and they're trying to flesh them out uh, a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I, I think
1: that's exactly what happened. They were kind of just thrown in uh, the reader's laps here very quickly. And this is their way to try to not backtrack, but like you said, try to give them a little more character depth to, uh, you know, make you actually give a crap about the characters. Again, it's, it's it's did pretty good job, even though it's through this weird means of these text pieces, but you know, if the artist wasn't able to, uh, you know, get out full
2: pages. Then yeah,
1: that's the way you got to go.
2: Yeah, it it works. I mean, uh, the 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 big name British dudes do it all the time in their mm-hmm. uh, fancy schmancy comic books, uh, full text yeah. pages and stuff like that. So yeah, it it works.
3: Yeah.
1: So then now, cut to a goddess or someone very close to one returning to this mortal coil for the first time in eons, and we finally have our uh, girl here, Zephyr, uh, arriving on Earth in this room. And I'm still not sure what was going on here. So there's a bunch of guys in a room. And uh, like you said, I think these are like, you know, uh, a bunch of Muslim guys because they say, Allah be praised when she shows up wearing very little like her her outfit, you know the 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 buttons
2: and the straps are working overtime here. They're, oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, I, I think she poofed into like an alley because if you look okay. at the. The first panel there on the the second co- uh, the second row, yeah, uh, it, it's blue like it's night, and and so maybe these are like um, the 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 lower echelon of people, uh, not necessarily um, bums or uh, what's but like the homeless people, and they've just all gathered around in an alley for the night. You know, this is where they they chill, and she just poofs into the middle of them.
1: Yeah, one of them says, Allah has sent a messenger to us. And the other guy says, aid us, O divine spirit, save us from this poverty we suffer. And then a third guy says, give us the wealth to live as men again. And yeah. she, she pauses and it says, some things have not changed, she thinks, since the days of when she was a serving wench. And although her part in obtaining the arcane knowledge that transformed four mortals into the elementals raised her from that lowly station, the memories of poverty have never quite left her. So she she can relate to these guys. And it says she calls up her winds of change and sets these shackled men free. And it, she has, it's a small panel. It's not very detailed. But you can see all these men kind of bowing at her. She has her arms out and something's going on. But I don't get what happens here. Because it says, if only in their minds, and if only, sadly, for a time. So I don't know if she puts some kind of mind whammy on these guys to make them think they're not living in poverty. because. There's nothing there. There's absolutely nothing there.
2: She didn't deliver some gold or coins or money or even food. There's nothing there. That that's what I think is that she she gave them like a head whammy and they're hallucinating what it is they're speaking of because if you look the the dude down here yeah, at the tried bottom these grapes. Yeah, and and he's holding a hand of full of dirt. Uh, there there are no grapes <laughs> in his hand. So, yeah, I I think she Jeez. which is interesting because you know, she wants to help them, so to speak. The memories of poverty have never left her. So uh-huh. to help them, what she did is help them hallucinate for a period of time and it'll go away and they'll be right back where they were. It's like, well, how, how did you <laughs> that, help them, dog? What What is that?
1: Yeah, does that really help? I'm thinking it's, it's like yeah. when you're out in the desert, you start having those, you know, you see you think you see an oasis because you're so thirsty and there's nothing right really there. and You just start drinking sand. Yep. I
2: I, want to be a rich man. Well, here, drink this ayahuasca and you'll be rich.
1: (laughs) That's what I'm
3: thinking.
1: She does have have some powers. Go like grab them some, like she has wind powers.
2: Go go to a a market and grab some, you know, fruit for them or something. Something. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, like if she were storm, she could conjure up whatever and float it to them and set them down on the ground. Well, she should be able to do that. You know, she bring bring a, a daggone car there and say, well, here, at least sleep in the car, you know. But, yeah, she she's like, no, no, I'll help you pretend and then it'll all return back to what it was.
1: And then I love this, too. She starts walking down this street and it says she moves into the main <laughs> corridor of Cairo. Her senses assailed by the lingering odors of the day's traffic and other foul scents. Yep. <laughs> we see and a guy there. I don't know if he's a pimp or whatever this guy is but he's pretty seedy looking sitting there with a sig a and it says the man is a member of the world's second oldest profession he is making the mistake of his life and he goes ah my beautiful one you must be new here it is foolish of you to walk these streets without protection she says are you addressing me man she he goes do not take so defensive a tone my love my only aim is to serve you to our mutual benefit and he puts his arm around her Which of course, this is a huge mistake, and she thinks to herself, uh, "The others would deal with more harshly with him. Magnum would break his bones. Hellfire would reduce him to smoldering ash. Hydron, being the cruelest of them, would dehydrate him slowly." And then you see her do some kind of mind whammy on him that it looks like it's gonna makes his brain explode. And then she uses her wind power to just, and he goes like, "I don't know if she's gonna chuck him over the other side of a building or what."
2: Not the other side of the building. Where, where does she put him there in that next panel?
1: I'm trying to see in that next panel. You see her walking away, but I don't see what, where he is. What does it say, though? Oh, it says in 36 hours, he will land in
2: Youngstown, Ohio. There you go, didn't man. didn't see that. She poofed <laughs> him up into the air, and he's floating all the way to Youngstown, Ohio. Over the next 36 hours. From Cairo. That's great. Dude gets hungry. He gets thirsty. How does he stay warm? He probably is in really bad shape when he lands. And it
1: says, due to his possessing a sizable amount of highly
2: illegal substance
1: <laughs> and being without a passport, he will be arrested and spend 10 to 20 years in federal prison. And I'm thinking, well, if he's not a citizen, no, he won't. He will be extradited. <laughs> no, yeah, really. No. Although 10 to 20 years in a federal prison in the United States is probably
2: better than what will happen to him
1: over there. He'll probably cut his hands off.
2: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Um. And, and plus, too, I guess because prostitution is the world's oldest profession, a pimp is the second oldest profession. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, is, I mean, is said. that what they're saying? Yeah. OK. Guess. Like,
1: that's their logic there. But I like that panel, too, where she's walking down the street like a boss, like she's got a strut going on.
2: Oh yeah, she's, she's just walking down the street. She's going somewhere and yeah, dude is just sitting there and he's like, "Hey."
1: <laughs> Man, then she looks down an alleyway and there's our buddy N'Kantu after he blasted through that wall. He's still laying there hurt, right?
2: Yeah, uh, again, just a, an interesting happenstance. Cairo's not a small city, you know. Mm-hmm. Cairo's no. pretty big. She's walking through whatever section. Uh maybe a poor section overall of the city because of all the yeah. dudes she ran into to begin with. And she just happens to be, you know, this says, although here it says, um, into the main corridor of Cairo. So I would think that's a pretty up part of the, the city, right? I mean, and if it's the think, main yeah. thoroughfare, yeah. So she has walked enough that she has gotten into the Uh, lower uh, uh, money parts of the city and oh she just happens to walk by uh, an alleyway that (laughs) Encantu is laying at having busted through a wall of a motel hotel kind of place where our other two boys uh, Asp and Safari Guy were at it's like oh yeah this is all just really just you know coming together (laughs) to to move the story along okay and I and I love this. She goes, and Kantu, And she walks
1: over to him. I don't know if she thought he was out on a bender or what. <laughs> yeah, but she goes, she goes, have you no pride once great king of the Swarilis? Arise from that mire. You are again mine to command. And he doesn't move. And she says, rise, I say. And then she thinks to herself, anger flashes in ebony eyes. The man mummy is daring to disobey her. Then she sees the scorched cracked blistered flesh exposed by the flames ravages and you really can't see that from the picture it's just like all muddy and stuff like that And he says i will not serve you elemental i will never stand to do your bidding and again i don't think he could physically at this point anyway no no she she reaches down to uh heal him here right
2: right yeah yeah that's she which did we know that's one of her powers yeah she did that didn't she when they first met I, i thought that she she healed him like when he was prisoner or something,
1: but yeah, well, he did fight those rock guys. So maybe he was hurt, but man, she can heal. She can mind whammy. She can throw you with her wins from Cairo to Youngstown, Ohio. <laughs> right. Like, so, so okay, in, order,
2: in order to help people, all she does is give them an, an ayahuasca fit and, and let them go because mm-hmm. that's so, all she can do.
1: Yeah. So she doesn't put any wine, mind whammy on him. She heals him, and it says a uh, cut to a fashionable Cairo hotel. Where two less than fashionable gentlemen conclude a business transaction. This is uh, page 16 here. And it says, I trust this will be sufficient down payment on the artifact. And we see uh, our buddy Asp and Safari guy here have found Ron Janice and Dr. Scarab. And they're telling him, Hey, we have the Scarlet Scarab, so we'll sell it to you. And, you know, they're going to do some business here. And Scarab says, I don't think you have to worry about my, about Encantu. My friends, Ron and Janice will testify. And he says, it's been a pleasure doing business with you, Dr. Scarra. My partner and I will be in New York next month to collect the balance. And <laughs> Safari guy, if the mummy doesn't get us first. So he's still going on about that. Uh, yeah. He's, he's <laughs>
2: still worried about the mummy, man.
1: Mm-hmm. And then again, a quick flashback. And it says, I can see you are doubtful, but it was my ancestor, the priest Nephrus, who condemned And to a horrible living death and there's a flashback to like all the way to supernatural thrillers five there right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then the mummy's on the ground and it shows that scene where uh dr scarab you know mr science was gonna just just got a pistol
2: and started shooting him to try and kill him right right yeah yeah um is i I guess this is for our benefit as the reader right because Mm -hmm. you're you're buying Potentially, a piece of stolen artwork. yeah, it's hot. yeah, uh, you're still in the country that it comes from. Uh, so you're you're doing some some illicit dealings, but you're gonna take the time to uh, explain some portion of your life story to these two ne'er-do wells who had this artifact illegally that you're buying illegally off of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, okay.
1: Yeah, and Dr. Scaraba even explains to the Asp here how there's a link between him and the mummy. And the guy's like, (laughs) A link? Okay, pal. And he's go, he'll find me again, I'm sure of it. And one other thing, I felt his mind, his soul, he's not evil. And you know, he kind of goes on and talks about it a little bit. And Mm -hmm. the Asp and Safari guy are like, Yeah, that's a nice story, pal, but we're out of here. So they go back to their crazy apartment or motel or whatever here, (laughs) and the door is still smashed in. And they walk through the hole in the door and uh Uh, our buddy uh, Zephyr's here, right?
2: Yeah, apparently after healing uh, in Kentu, they just went, I guess, you know, back through the hole in the wall, and and they're just waiting for him there in the room. It's like, well, whatever else has happened, the people I'm looking for will come back here. I know it.
1: Mm -hmm. I love uh, the Asps uh, when they walk through the hole in the door, his dialogue. No sign of the, Mama, old Dan, have you been holding out on me? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when wow. he sees Zephyr,
3: yeah
1: <laughs> oh that is so good yep mm, i do not come to exchange innuendos man i desire only the <laughs> scarab and he goes uh give it to me and he says hell why'd you have to bring business into what could have been a beautiful relationship no way baby and once of course you'd care to make me an offer and he says my offer is this man Give me the gem. And I like that panel where the two of them are standing there and you see the mummy's hand creeping out.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you you see him start to something looks like he's going to, like, smack him on the back of the head or something like that.
1: Mm -hmm. And she says, give me, you know, the scarab or your friend dies. And oh, Dan, oh, cripes. And again, cripes with the K. Call off the mummy, baby. I'll do whatever you want. (laughs) So now they're kind of unwilling partners here uh, for the rest of the book. Right.
2: Yeah. Th- I don't know. I, I, I wish they would just go to like drawing pictures because the dialogue on that page was <laughs> was kind of difficult. You know, it's. A, a, yeah. First of all, everybody she refers to is man,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, not an adjective man, like an old man or anything, just like man. And hey, I, man. I, yeah. I'm just like. <laughs> that just feels weird i and and then the asp the yeah it's like that that dialogue is like no don't don't dialogue anymore just draw the pictures action and stuff like that that's that dialogue is not good
1: yeah and i'm a little hazy about what's going on here because i think to myself i thought he still had the scarab because i thought he said that was only a down payment and i want the rest of the money so then why did they need to go to doctor scarab's room
2: i don't get this well, I guess they, they must have when they took receipt of however much money, they must have given him the scarab, oddly enough, with the or understanding that you can go <laughs> home and we'll follow you home and get the rest of the money.
1: Yeah, which is so dumb. Why would you say to somebody, Hey, yeah. I'll i I'll give you this for ten grand and they give you five and you say, Okay, you can have it now, just give me the rest yeah. later.
2: What? No. No, you're going to take the five and the scarab both. And you're going to be like, OK, now where can you come up with the rest? When mm. you give me the rest, I'll give you the scarab. That's,
1: mm, <laughs> that's yeah. normally how
2: that works, you know.
1: No wonder the Aspen uh, safari guy are broke all the time. This yeah, really. They, they,
2: They're bad, they, bad businessmen. <laughs> they don't do it very often, apparently. They they haven't learned yet.
1: No, and they, they go into his room and uh, Dr. Scarab, He's he loves his pistol. So he shoots at the both and he hits uh the Aspeny's shoulder it looks like and then blasts at the mummy a couple of times and of course it has no effect and the mummy picks him up like he's going to you know uh beat him down pretty bad here and uh Doctor Scarab just says "Enkantu, I am not Nephris. And there's a really cool panel I, there. It's a zoom in there, right?
2: Yeah, I I guess the um I guess the face looked like Nephris, and that's all that yeah. he could think of that I I don't know. I mean <laughs> There there are times in the story that I think there are some leaps that maybe were solidified in a writer's mind, you know, whichever of the plotters were responsible for different parts. But as far as what, what has been put on paper, it's not as clear as it was in their head,
3: mm-hmm. having gone yeah. through
2: everything in their head, you know, because there are here is an instance. It's like, well, he he picks him up. And he's going to squash him because he just shot at him. So he proved he's he's a, an enemy of Encantu. So the mummy is going to squash him because of that. Across the room, he, he, before, in order to elicit the attack, there's no way that the mummy thought that that looked like Nephris. And that's why he was attacking him to begin with. In, well, in, mean- in my mind, anyway. So...
1: All the way back to issue five, when he first awoke and he was, like, confused and didn't know where he was at and all that stuff, he did think Scarab was nephrous because he's a descendant of him and supposedly does look like him, which, okay, I have no problem with that. But between that issue and now, he is not, like, in pain and confused, and he knows where he is, what—he knows it's way later, like thousands of years later. He has a lot of wherewithal now that he didn't in issue five. So why would he still think he's Neferis? That doesn't make sense.
2: Yeah, un- unless the, the control of Zephyr kind of puts him maybe in a state back, like yeah. when he first became the mummy or something. I mean, we we know she's the ayahuasca wench already. So maybe that has done, you know, I and, you know, that's one of those things. It's like, well, I'm sure whoever was responsible for this per- portion of the story, it made sense to them. But. In the pictures that we have seen in the story so far, it doesn't necessarily make that kind of sense to me. So I'm, I'm not sure, not that it's a big deal. It doesn't completely take me out of yeah. the story or anything like that. No, but it's no. like, well, you know, why does it necessarily matter? I mean, there's enough going on here that like, OK, they've been sent after him. The mummy's going to squash him, get the scarab and, and move on. Mm -hmm. The why is like, well, you know, it's not really necessary. But when they try to explain the why, it's like that that doesn't make sense. No. And I mean, I will say, too, in the last couple of pages,
1: like the last three or four pages, the artwork has swung back to being a little bit better and more detailed. So, again, I don't know why that middle section with those text pieces is like that. It's, It's a little odd, but. You know, maybe he, you know, when Mayrick does his artwork, maybe he just doesn't do it in a linear fashion. Maybe he drew some pages for the beginning and then drew some pages for the end, and then got behind and had right. to hurry with the middle. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah, maybe he he does, or maybe he did this book uh, out of order uh, from mm-hmm. from what we see, and and yeah. yeah, he was able to complete the beginning and the end, but ran into some trouble in the middle.
1: Yeah, that's totally, totally possible. But yeah, because again, the mummy looks really good on page twenty three. There, lifting up uh, scarab. Oh,
2: oh yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, scarab's foot and ankle maybe not the greatest, but that it that really looks pretty cool. And there's uh, detail on you know Doctor Scarab's face when he's got him by the you know the shirt mm-hmm. there, and a, a zoom in on the mummy again with that that left eye, the red eye, kind of like you know just blazing
2: like oh man, that looks really neat. And the uh, the right eye still obscured
3: hmm yeah, and, yeah like, and
2: all of the images here what we're seeing it's so i wonder if somewhere along the way he has lost that eye yeah it's totally possible maybe
1: that happened you know maybe it uh, maybe a little beetle ate it while he was you know
2: exactly <laughs> one of the scarab beetles ate the eye before they could get him out That's, yeah
1: but then it's funny there's a the mummy dr scarab and the asp and they they all kind of just have a bit of a conversation about what's going on here and Dr. Scarab says about how these elementals are, you know, tried to do something that's going to endanger the whole planet. And he asked kind of like, okay, well, you know, I, I like to, you know, rob and pillage and do all this crazy bad guy stuff, but I'll help save, you know, the world too, if that's what's going to happen here. On page 26, uh, Dr. Scarab says, you'll hardly die from that scratch, my larcenous friend. And what we're jabbering about is quite possible, the fate of our world. And <laughs> I love that first of all the panel layout on that page is off the chain it's really really good but i love the very first triangular shaped panel there it almost looks like the mummy's
2: uh break dancing um yeah okay i can see that almost he like needs he's... a piece of cardboard there to right flipping almost around. like he's spinning on his hand there <laughs> yeah okay i i, I see that <laughs> but what about the rest of that page that's a neat page yeah uh, like you said it's um what is this this is about Twenty percent, so maybe about the the other eighty percent of the page is divided up into. If if you took the whole page, uh, the 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 rest of the page in one panel, eighty percent, and then you did a you diagonally divided that up to where of that eighty uh, percent, let's say you know fifteen percent was in the a uh, triangle on the left. You drew a line, and then you drew. Five or six inches across in the middle, and then you drew another diagonal line, and then you filled that bottom triangle, each of those slashed panels uh, a different uh, picture, a different panel. and that's mm-hmm. that's what they have done here. Um, to me it it feels like and and I don't know if it's this this could be in hindsight because of how they used the panels, but mm-hmm. I, I do definitely get that sense of, of, uh, of time. Um, And and I don't know if it's because of the shape of the panels or because of what they said or did in the panels or anything like that, or I'm not anything like that, but you know, one of those two cases, but that's what we're doing is is we're getting a, a rehash of some things that have gone on in the past and they're using this diagonal panel to, I don't know, add interest to the images, I guess, because it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's the third or fourth time that we've seen this aspect of the story. So we we as the reader who have read all of the issues kind of know it. So I guess to to placate us to make it more interesting while we're catching up brand new readers with the story, they use this diagonal element, which was really, um, really different. I don't know that we've really seen them go diagonal up until this point with any of the panels
1: yeah this one's really great and i
2: i love the bottom very bottom panel where it's you know it's basically recapping and it's
1: showing uh, the scene of the mummy versus uh, the living pharaoh and i love how the living pharaoh's you know head and headdress kind of go up to the point of the panel there and there's actually a, a little bit of dialogue uh, on his uh, headdress there
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. in, <laughs> in the name. color yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah, with the green background, and there's a little bit in the bottom left-hand corner as well, and then a little caption box there by Len uh, letting us know what issues
2: you can find out
1: all this happened in, right?
2: Right, yeah, Yeah. Mm-hmm. very, um, just very visually different, and so very interesting using that those diagonals like that, and the way within each of the diagonals, the art and the narration was used.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then the next page we get, you know, the the three of them deciding, well, we're going to, you know, team up here. We're going to have a a Marvel team up here, basically. (laughs) And uh, we're going to uh, uh, see if, you know, the the Elemental Zephyr will be on our team as well and help us defeat these other Elementals. And then uh, we get the the final page there, right? Where it's like, next issue, the origin of the Elementals. That's a pretty wild page.
2: Yeah, yeah, we, uh, they they have finally or have they? Yeah, they I I guess she must have gone back in in defeat, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know, but they the The three male elementals seem to have her <laughs> have her in the state that many female characters were at this point. She's all bound up and they're mm-hmm. in control, and you know all this other stuff. but they they have popped into our dimension just like Zephyr did. and they're all explaining or excuse me, exclaiming uh, and very aggressive looking in regards to, Uh, Who is this? This is Safari Guy and Asp and and Encantu here. Um, So, yeah, they're they're coming. They're coming to get their pound of flesh. The elementals are. And that's um, interesting band of like energy there in the middle of the panel, too. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm assuming, especially from the
1: point of view of the elementals, they're trying to say that they think Zephyr is, you know, being treasonous, that she you know, is siding with the mummy and the asp and everybody, right? Yeah, I guess didn't
2: do what didn't she that, said she was going to do. Uh, I guess yeah. that would make her treasonous. And who who is this? Is this um, uh, Doctor Scarab also on the platform? Is that who that I think is? that's
1: I think that's Safari guy. Um. Well, then.
2: Oh, and this then, is Doctor Scarab down here and bottom and right. Asks, okay. Yeah, bottom right hand corner. And then okay, asp on guy. the left, and the
1: mummy in between them. And I think because yeah, he says. You know, she is going to pay for her treason. And unless you hand over the Scarlet Scarab immediately, this is Hellfire speaking, the old man shares her fate. Uh, I'm assuming they, they're calling the old man uh, Safari Guy. I didn't think he looked that old, but you know maybe uh, maybe I'm just getting up there.
2: Oh, because back, it was just Scarab and, and Kentu that left to go get yes. the Scarab back. Yep. Okay, yep. that's where I got lost. It was Safari Guy and Zephyr stayed, uh, in, in their old uh, room where Encantu busted out the door on the wall, mm-hmm. Scarab, um, yeah, Scarab and Encantu went back to Doctor, or not Scarab, Asp, and Encantu went back to find Doctor Scarab to get the Scarlet Scarab. And so that's why <laughs> they were together. Zephyr and Safari Guy were back in the room, so the the rest of the elementals must have popped into the room first, or or got to the room first took them captive and then tracked everybody else down and they're just now making themselves known uh to the rest of our happy crew who is Asp, dr scarab and the mummy okay okay
1: mm-hmm. and like you said yeah there's this weird kind of energy they're almost like standing on top of uh, blasting uh, around a car yeah like a platform or something yeah yeah. So yeah, pretty cool. I mean, it's a uh, you know uh, uh, the origin elementals. Now we did find out a little bit about their origin already. So I'm assuming they're just going to expand and go deeper on it, right?
2: I yeah. I guess we. I mean, we got enough to get us through before. So
1: yeah, but you figure it's uh, you know this is only issue 11,
2: so we have four more issues to get through
1: here. So I guess they're going to use that to expand on them and then continue the fight because I'm pretty sure these last four issues is you know still those guys as the the, the major you know, focal point of uh, Supernatural Thrillers, The Mummy and the Elementals. I think it is.
2: Well, we definitely know at least it's The Mummy. uh, And Mm -hmm. at this point, yeah, I guess the the rest of the conflict will be with The Elementals. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I I don't want to look ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted to look ahead to see what, but I was like, no, I'm enjoying reading these as they come up too much. I I don't want to move ahead.
1: And then there was a little two-pager here. Uh, by one of my favorite horror artists of all time tom sutton sometimes okay. in uh books i think he did this in a couple of marvel books and i think if i'm remembering correctly he did a couple for uh, oh i want to say warren but i could be wrong where it's like kind of a, a a horror setting but like a little humorous story and it's a little two-pager page, it's kind of funny you know just kind of along the same lines of the uh you know, the 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 backup, the golden age backup that was in the previous one where it's just a little a couple of page story with a humorous or ironic, you know,
2: ending or tone to it. So that was always cool. I love seeing his work. Love, love Tom Sutton. And and, and you're right. It's, it's just a little, uh, we've got a little bit more room. What can we do? Well, here, mm-hmm. you know, uh, do you have anything, uh, Tom? Yeah, I've, I've got this. Here, go ahead and put that in there. And it's just a, a quick little hit of uh, very nice line work. Um, again, some of these panels would be just absolutely spectacular if they were just black and white. But the coloring, I mm. thought, was was pretty good, too. Um, just, yeah, funny, ironic. Um, I guess ironic really more than funny. But mm. we, we all laugh at irony, too. So, Yep, absolutely. So, well, yeah, so what do you think? Overall, two thumbs up here for these uh, two issues, right? A lot of fun. Yeah, a, a whole lot of fun. And I, I, I particularly like the fact that they don't have... The same feeling to me as most everything else uh, in in Marvel at the time. So if you you know if if you don't want that kind of stuff, the superhero feel, um, these books are allowing you to, to still give Marvel your money. You know if that's what you want to mm-hmm. do, but get a completely different style, uh, both of artwork and particularly of storytelling, and something that that those people can enjoy if they don't want to read about. Cap and the Avengers and the X Men. So yeah, I, I really enjoy that it's 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 showing a breadth of of what Marvel is putting out at the time.
1: Yeah, now that I'm looking at the uh, information on the issue, this crazy little two story uh, uh, horror thing by uh, Tom Sutton, it was originally in Tower of Shadows six from uh, July 1970. So basically, they just took a reprint,
2: <laughs> right? Not but, not but surprising. Still, <laughs> you know those those books, uh, they were. a a really good relief at the time Uh, you know Mm -hmm. this was a time when marvel was kind of transitioning 1970 they were they were into their superheroes a little bit but they were still trying to hold on to those things that got them through before fantastic four so they were still trying to hold on to western and horror um a lot of the romance had kind of tapered out by this point but the the western and the horror and other elements um sci-fi, uh, police procedurals and things like that. They're still trying to hold on to with those tower of this and monster of that and tales and suspense and all these other things. Um so we're we're seeing the superhero starting with Fantastic Four start to push all of that other stuff out. If you're watching all of what Marvel is putting out, you you can see that happening in the offering.
1: Mhm. Yep totally totally agree with you there so all right well that's uh, gonna be it for this one but yes stay tuned you know we're gonna get, hit up two more issues uh and then two more uh, after that to wrap uh, up supernatural thrillers and then uh, you know we'll get our heads together and who knows what we'll cover after that maybe we'll dive into something else that'll uh, you know take us down a road where we uh see something really cool that we hadn't seen in a long time or something right uh, brand new to us right yep sounds sounds like uh, like some good stuff Awesome. 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 So, all right, Ed, if anybody's looking for you out there, I know, uh, at Teal Productions on Twitter, right? And then you, uh, have some other shows as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. At Teal Productions, actually both on Twitter. And if, if you are still a, a Facebook person, uh, mm-hmm. Teal Productions has a page on Facebook where everything is posted there too. Um, yeah. so you, you can find it either one of those places. Those are mainly the only two places I go. I know there's like a million and a half other social media outlets, but I don't, <laughs> i don't really mess with them so th- those are the two main places um and yeah billy as, as far as other shows uh, just about everything except one show that i do talks about comics um, so if you like comics i talk about Ronan rabbit on a on one show i talk about thor um i talk about what else actually it's not active right now but there's a, a show where i talked about green arrow for a while it was about 40 episodes long mm. um Uh, There's a show where I talk about early 80s stuff like uh, uh, I've talked about Samurai from Aerosol Comics. I've talked about some Pacific Comics books, uh, Nexus and Badger and just books like that from the early, early to middle 80s. Um, And on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm liable to talk just about anything or, or get into people's conversations about just about anything. So. (laughs) <laughs> Most of my podcasting and social media is about comic books. Yeah,
1: and I'll definitely give a shout-out to your Dr. Fate podcast, Lords of Order. That's, That's a good one, too. And then uh, your uh,
2: co-host of the Superman Super Show with Stephen, uh, going through Golden Age Superman, right? Yes, yes, as a matter of fact. Um, actually, we're putting uh, recording some more episodes uh, this coming week as Billy and I are recording this. So looking forward to that. Moving through the... Um, action appearances and then the superman titled appearances and i think here before too long should uh, come up world's um world's finest is what it got to Mm. be the very first issue was called world's best Uh, issue one was world's best comics um so here before too long we should start getting into the superman stories that are in those as well um early on when they first came out that was an anthology book just like action and adventure and some of the others uh down the road it kind of focused in on you know one concept but that first bunch of those books are will be anthology books and we'll be talking about just the superman strip out of those books like we have um out of action comics up to this point yeah i
1: haven't read any of the super early world's finest but i have read some of the later ones i mean like maybe around issue 100 somewhere around there and going forward and they are
2: completely off the chain (laughs) Uh, uh, yeah yeah they uh, kind of kind of remind you of of uh, some of the other um, uh, uh, team-up books that DC Mm -hmm. was was putting together at the time they they didn't necessarily do the team-up books as like straight-laced and serious as they did and I'm kind of saying that tongue-in-cheek as they did some of their other books you know they kind of did whatever they thought would sell the book in a lot of those mm-hmm. team up books so you get yeah. funky team ups and you get people acting funky when they team up and yeah it's a, a lot of uh just whatever period whether it's golden age or silver age comic booky fun is what those team up books particularly from dc really have a lot of yeah, and just to be uh, specific, I did actually buy a trade
1: paperback of uh, Batman, Superman, World's Finest, uh, Volume One. I have not read any of that yet, but I do have a hardcover of uh, World's Finest, Volume Three, the Archive Edition, and that's the one I've read. Where there's like okay. a, a Superman that's like a, a, a Neanderthal Superman and stuff. It's just right. Yeah, just, <laughs>
2: yeah, they're they're crazy. I love just it. Just real weird stuff happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're they're ridiculous.
1: And again, of course, you know, once you got into a little bit later of the numbering, uh, my boy uh, Zany
2: Bob Haney wrote some. (laughs) Yeah, boy, he he jumps in there with his own brand of weirdness. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, all right, man. Well, yeah, that's going to you know wrap things up here for this one. I want to thank you for being on again. I had a blast as usual. And then uh, we'll
2: look forward to doing more in the future, right? Yes, sir, Billy. Thanks. uh, Thanks for recording with me. I enjoyed it as well.
1: All right, yeah, thanks for being on again, and uh, I'll be back in a minute to uh, wrap uh, things up.
0: All right, everybody, that wraps up this episode. Once again, I want to thank Ed for being on the show. Ed and I have a real good time talking about comics and other stuff, so... Uh, And I wanted to just say, you know, uh, he does some uh, live YouTube vids with uh, his partner, Steven, uh, when they do the Superman Super Show, and then sometimes just for uh, another show Steven has. So uh, definitely look for that, because it's a lot of fun. You know, being interactive is uh, a blast, you know, to talk to those guys live and you know, chat with them and stuff like that is really cool. So definitely uh, go for uh, Ed's uh, Teal Productions Twitter account or Facebook pages. And uh, he usually updates on there when they have the uh, live recordings and you can uh, join in and have a good time. All right,
3: everybody. Thanks for listening.